All right, we're back. Another episode of the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. I'm Tokyo Cliff. And for this episode, uh, Chocolate Buddha couldn't make it today, my co-host. But filling in as a co-host, we have Nina Cataldo. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hey. It's good to be here. Yeah, and, and Nina's been on the podcast, actually. Yeah, so it's good to be back. Yeah, we came on with Nayo, right? Yeah, for The Ocean and I, the band. Exactly. So y'all can go check that out. And yes, so we have our guest today is Selena Hoy. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good today. Thank you. Okay. Give us a self-introduction, a little brief introduction. Let us know who you are. Okay. Um, My name's Selena, and I am... I'm the outreach coordinator at Tell Japan, and I am somebody who's been interested in nonprofit work and interested in the like NGO world for a long time. I've lived in Japan about 14 years this time around, but I'm Japanese American, so I've lived in Japan on and off for half my life. Okay. Yeah. And Just about the same as me. Yeah. 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 And we have a lot in common, interestingly enough. Uh, we're both Hafu, half Japanese, half American, and we we both grew up in Portland, Portland, Oregon. That's so. pretty cool. Yeah, and what you, a coincidence. Yeah, and I knew that little connection was going on, so I was like, you know what, let's bring Nina on to uh, <laughs> be the guest host so we can get some good energy up in here. Oh, yeah. So how did, how did you two meet? We actually met at another nonprofit because Nina is, let, remind me, is it the community? I was the membership director membership for a director. few for Empowering Women. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and we had a, a brunch about with non, nonprofit mm-hmm. people. And I got to learn about Selena's work with Tell There. Mm-hmm. And then we connected because we're also both travel writers that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah actually both of you are t- travel writers i remember <laughs> you mentioned true. that yeah, yeah and we writers. we met at the at the few brunch um because tell is a member of few mm-hmm. uh we have yeah. an organizational membership because we think that um female empowerment and uh, the issues that women face are really important in the mental health sphere as well. This is Lee Oihara, host of the House of Life NYC, and you're listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. Yeah, so Selena, tell us about TELL. What is TELL? Mm-hmm. So TELL is a certified nonprofit organization, and we've been around in Japan for 46 years this year. Um, so we serve the uh, mainly the English-speaking community in Japan, and we our, our mission is for good mental health and suicide prevention. Okay, okay. Now you said mainly um, for English-speaking people. Okay, so are there other languages that you can um, offer your services in? Or? Yeah, so we have basically three branches of TEL. One is the Lifeline, and the Lifeline only serves people in English. And there's a reason for that that we can go into later. We also have a a counseling center, and the counseling center, the Tokyo Counseling Center, can serve people in English, Japanese, Spanish, Cantonese, and Mandarin right now. And then we also have some therapists in other parts of the country who speak other languages too. Cool, cool. So, yeah, so tell, in regards to Japan, tell covers the whole Japan or is it so tell used to stand for Tokyo English Lifeline back in the day okay um, because they were founded in Tokyo and they were serving mostly the Tokyo community but over the years we've grown and um, we want to not just serve Tokyo 
and we want to not only work in English, and we're not only just a lifeline anymore. So we've changed a lot in those 46 years. So we, we've switched to just calling ourselves Tell, Tell Japan these tell days. Tell Japan, mm-hmm. okay. And you said you've, you've offered more than, now you offer more than lifeline services. What else have you added to yeah, so so the Lifeline program. started in 1973, and uh, it was started originally started by um, some some missionaries who were responding to the the establishing of lifelines in a lot of other places, like the Samaritans in the UK. And in Japan, they started the first lifelines in 1972. But the Japanese lifelines were finding they were getting a lot of calls from the non-Japanese community, and they didn't know what to do with them. And so we stepped in and organized an English-speaking lifeline in 1973. And so that was the first, the first um, incarnation of TEL. But um, after that, in the 90s, we found that we needed more than just a crisis line. And so that was how the counseling center came about. Um, we needed a place where people could go to get more than just that um, kind of emergency care. And that more long, long-term, ongoing care. So that's the counseling center in the early '90s, and then uh, more recently, we established outreach, which is to get the um, the conversation going in the community to talk about mental health, to shatter that st- stigma around mental health, and to do what we can to kind of keep the conversation moving around mental health and suicide and what those things are, and to to do our best to erase the shame that comes along with. Um, that talks about mental health. And so outreach is the most recent part of TEL, and that's my job is getting out there in the community and talking about mental health. And um, are those outreach events, are they done in English and Japanese or more languages? Or? Um, primarily we do them in English, but if there is a need and if people, if we get special requests, then we can do things in Japanese um, and those other languages that I mentioned. We have therapists who speak Cantonese and Mandarin. We have therapists who speak Spanish. Some of our therapists do give those kind of mental health trainings, for example, at the Mexican or the uh, Argentinian embassy, something like that. So we definitely can do those services in other languages. And what are some of those uh outreach events and services that you guys currently have Mm -hmm. we do so many things um we're we're out in the community uh doing psychoeducation so lectures around mental health um topics like what is anxiety what is depression how do we cope with that um how do how do you parent a kid who is dealing with these emerging issues um what do schools do when they're faced with uh, bullying or anxiety or things that affect uh, children's mental health. Um, all, we do all kinds of outreach around so many different mental health issues. Um, trainings on psychoeducation, trainings on uh, psychological first aid, trainings on um, crisis intervention. Now, so what? What? Uh, what type of? Uh, patients do you have like you know because you do a lot of things in English obviously and I'm just like wondering the backgrounds of your patients like you know are they students here or are they you know salary men or you know workers who came here to work in Japan like yeah talk about that a little bit yeah so I cannot tell you the specifics of anyone okay. because that goes against client confidentiality yes. but I can tell you tell you that generally we have uh, people coming from all walks of life okay we have people who are 
uh, salary people. Yeah. We have students. We have uh, young people who call the line or use the counseling center. We have folks who are um, in tech, who are English teachers, who are you know embassy folk, uh, who are. Um, who e- even folks who are you know in the detention centers or who have refugee claims, we hear from fo- folks like that too. You, you you mentioned the stigma around mental health, and I think that persists all over the world, even in the states, right? Um, Japan. I guess I've underestimated that you know mental health. I guess I've kind of felt ashamed to speak out or or, or talk about mental health. I don't really think I have any mental health issues. Maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, we I, I th- all do at some point. Yeah, we all lives. do. Right? We're it's all, all wellness. Right? Yeah, we're all a little crazy, and you know, we think about things, and we 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 have different things that we're stressed out about. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a cool thing. I I really think it's a. I, I didn't even know tell existed until Nina actually mentioned it on the podcast. So. Yeah, everybody has mental health, and everybody's mental health uh, comes in stages. It, you know, you you may be really doing fine one day and not so good the next day. And you mentioned stress. You know, that's part of mental health too. And so, um, I think that mental health touches everyone. And whether or not you are thinking about it in the moment, either you yourself or somebody that you care about is probably dealing with mental health issues at any given time. So, like, talk more about. Um, outreach. Um, you have um, different programs within outreach. Just kind of going off, uh, naming a few. You have like company stress check. What what is that? So I believe it was in 2017. The Japanese government uh, mandated that any company over, I believe it's 50 people or more, mm-hmm. has to administer a stress check to their uh, to their employees, and that means that they have to. They have to give them a set of questions and find out how they're feeling and if they're stressed out and in what ways they're stressed out. And then they have to look at the results and address that somehow. And so we're one of the um, organizations that can administer that stress check and make recommendations on what a company should do Mm -hmm. to um, alleviate that stress because stress is a huge problem in Japan. Um, We have a really stressed out culture here. And stress uh, has a direct effect effect on your mental health mm-hmm. yes and and you know these japanese companies businesses right um the, the labor costs right for mental health um i was reading somewhere that you know it, when you have a stressed out employee and they have to check themselves into a hospital or something like that a lot of these people are, are out for like a month mm-hmm. at a time or six or si- yeah. oh, wow. wow six months really? yeah wow is there a legal amount that workers in japan are allowed to take I don't know if there's a legal amount, but as you know, it's very hard to fire someone yeah. in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is people people just push themselves and push themselves and they don't get treatment mm-hmm. and they push themselves until they until they snap mm-hmm. and they can't um they can't deal in the day to day anymore and then they have to take really long periods of time off uh to get help. Um and that does have a huge cost, not only a not only a you know a business cost but a personal cost yes right, yes right? definitely and going back to the stress test is it uh administered for japanese companies for japanese people or, or yes. does tell help with okay yes so tell can administer it in both japanese and english but um, a lot of companies that ask us are companies that have a fair number of non-japanese employees and so they want to be able to administer the test bilingually or in english and so we can do both of those 
Mm. I'm surprised. I've never heard about the stress test. That is it's pretty new. Yeah. Okay. It's just uh, 2000. I think it's 2017 that okay. they came in, and it's 50, 50 employees or more. Mm. So, like, what are, uh, like, you know, obviously you have people who go through things in there reaching out to you guys, contacting you guys. What are some of the common issues that they have? English speakers, foreigners, foreigners specifically, mm-hmm. um, people here for work or, or school. What are some of the common issues that they have? Yeah, well, I think uh, some of the issues are the same the world over. People have mood disorders. People are depressed. People have anxiety. People are highly stressed out. Those are really common almost wherever you go. Um, I think that some issues that are especially uh, prevalent in Japan, people get culture shock. They get get lonely because it's hard to make community, especially in Tokyo, you know. Um, It can be a really lonely place despite the fact that there's so many people here. so folks miss their families, they miss their friends, they have a hard time making connections. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also really hard sometimes when you're adjusting to work in a new country. You know, you don't know the cultural norms or you mm-hmm. have a hard time um, adjusting to those culture cultural norms. Um, we also have folks who are here... Um, because their partner or their spouse was transferred here mm. and maybe they left behind a whole career or a whole community back home and they are now uh, forced to make a new life while their partner is busy at work. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that's the case with a lot of like military members here, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of them, you know, there are a lot of military members here in the, yeah. this region, Kanto. Definitely. And Okinawa. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I can definitely understand that. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, you might have a successful career in the States and then you, your husband moves over here and then, yeah. Or your wife. Or your wife. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, wow. Yeah. So are there some resources that you, you guys can direct these people to when they are especially feeling like lonely or wanting to find new ways to make connections Mm -hmm. or a life here? Yeah, we we have lots of resources and it depends on that person's interests and that person's um, needs. But, you know, whether it's um, a religious community or whether it's uh, meetups or tells own um, meetups that we do, um, there are lots of different things that people can do to get involved. And so we we have we have actually something online called Wikitel. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily know about it, but it's a it's a resource database. Oh, cool. And so um, it's mostly things like, you know, if you need a hospital or if you need an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or if you need, you know, a certain kind of clinic. But um, people can search that. So that's good to know. One of the other topics I, I wanted you to kind of like I guess shed some light on is so substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was wondering about that because I don't know if you were referring to illegal substances but so if a person has um, issues with substance abuse right Mm -hmm. and say it's illegal Mm -hmm. right substance abuse drugs can you just shed light on that yeah I think a lot of people um, struggle with substance abuse and in Japan probably most of the time it's alcohol although although you know other substances certainly which is a legal substance so yes so yes um and there are various groups in in especially in tokyo but around japan where people can go to get like a support group Mm. and there are a few detox clinics that people can go to if they need that kind of support and then also um just counseling 
okay. and talking to somebody and trying to sort out what those what those problems might be and the reasons that people are abusing substance because when somebody has an addiction there's usually a reason behind it yeah i'm guessing because of confidentially confidentiality issues even if they have problems with the illegal substance you guys don't like report on them or call oh, the of police course not, or anything of course not. yeah that that I was kind of where i was going with yeah that. i think I that's how that it works <laughs> in most countries right right yeah so um I didn't talk very much about how the line works yet, mm-hmm. but the lifeline is completely confidential mm-hmm. and anonymous. So if people call the lifeline to talk about whatever it is they want to talk about, we don't know your name. We don't we, we can't see your number. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's no way anything is getting reported. Um, as far as the counseling goes, um, unless I think the generally the reporting uh, standards are is that if you are an immediate risk to yourself or others, mm. then the police might have to be called. Like if you're right. about to murder somebody. Okay. But as far as substance abuse, no, we wouldn't be reporting that. So even if it was illegal substance, you wouldn't report. Okay. No. Okay. Going back to alcoholism in Japan, I feel like, you know, so many people in Japan drink alcohol, and to the amount and limits that I think. In some, in back in the U.S., people would call you an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and it's not recognized as alcoholism here, right? Like, how how do you guys deal with that? Is there any education around that or support for Japanese speakers too, and the non-Japanese speakers that reach out to tell? Yeah, um, quite a few of our therapists have experience with addiction mm-hmm. and can help people work through addiction. Um, it, it, it depends on if somebody's wanting to come in for counseling or if they're just wanting to be referred. But mm-hmm. like I said, if, if somebody were to call us and talk, want to talk to us about that, then we could talk to them on the line or we could refer them to a support group or we could refer them to a counselor mm-hmm. who has experience with treating addiction. So your staff at TEL, mm-hmm. can, can you talk about the, I guess, the, the, the different type of staff that you have? Like I know you have a lot of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, at at Tell we have um, just a handful, less less than half a dozen people, running the nonprofit side. Okay, but um, in the clinic we have a clinical director and a couple of uh, clinical coordinators who help to put uh, to help find people, match people with a a clinician. Then we have about twenty people who are therapists, and the therapists could be um, either like a marriage and family therapist or a counselor, a licensed counselor, or a licensed social worker. We also have a psychiatrist on staff. Mm -hmm. So um, most of the therapists are psychologists, which means that they can deliver uh, psychotherapy, talk Mm -hmm. therapy. And then a psychiatrist is a a doctor who can administer um, prescriptions for medication. So that's the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Yeah, I always get those mixed up. I didn't up. actually really know it uh, <laughs> until I started just to get my degree in mental health. Okay. Yeah. Oh. And, and so if I wanted to be a volunteer at Tell, um, how do I go about that? Or what are the steps to do that? Yeah, so we have, um, we have a couple of different ways that people can volunteer. The way that probably most people think of when they think of Tell is to be a volunteer on the phone, on the mm-hmm. lifeline. And that is a pretty uh, big commitment. 
it, we, we require a training. Um, and the training takes about 10 to 12 weeks to get through and then a couple months apprenticeship. And that, that's a pretty long process. Um, and that the pe- people who volunteer to go on the lifeline go through that training and then they're, they're on the line for a year or more. Mm-hmm. And um, they are anonymous, so you won't know who they are and you won't be able to tell anybody about it either. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have other volunteers who help us on a more casual basis, um, helping out at our events or helping out with outreach, things like uh, we, we have this big event in September around World Suicide Prevention Day where we run up Tokyo Tower and we need basically an army of volunteers to pull that off. And so that's something that we, use, we, we work with a lot of volunteers at that time. And what are who who what kind of people are these volunteers? Like are they studying mental health or you know just like I don't know what kind of people are there? Uh, again, we people are coming from all over the place. We have people from so many countries, mm-hmm. so many walks of life, you know. Um we have anywhere from uh people in their early 20s to people in their 70s volunteering with us. Um, and we have people who are mental health professionals, and we have people who don't have any experience in it, but they, they get trained with us. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you to all the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Shout yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is a volunteer-based um, organization, right? So volunteers are definitely important. So you said 12 weeks, okay. And is this like online training, or is this in person? So the training for the Lifeline is some. there's an application process, and then... Um, there is a training that's partially online and partially in person, but we can actually take trainees uh, from all over the country. So it is mm. possible to do it entirely online, but there are some times where you have to be um, present, mm-hmm. like uh, present online. So it's right. not just a it's not just a do your homework and fill out the forms whenever you want. It's like you have to attend a class mm-hmm. at the same time as other people. For example. Yeah. So um, I, I wanted to. I talk about suicide a little bit, right? So, we know this is a uh, this is a big thing in Japan. And um, first, I wanted to, I guess, say that you know I, I haven't personally dealt with uh, having anybody that committed suicide in my family or close friends or anything like that. But um, I, I think it's 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 an issue all over the world. Um, but for Japan, it just seems like um, it seems more common. I, I mean, I could be wrong though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's suicide is a really big issue all over the world. Yeah. Um, the World Health Organization says that we lose about 800,000 people to suicide every year. Wow. So it's a really big issue, and it is a big issue in Japan. Um, we lost uh, 20,598 people to suicide in 2018. So that's around 56, 57 people a day that we wow. are losing um, to suicide. Um, and the suicide rate in Japan is still pretty high. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been high for a long time and it has come down, but yeah, it's, it is high here. Okay. So mm-hmm. are they like, like maybe top 10 in the world? So they, are they somewhere up in So there? Japan is the, the kind of top rich country. Okay. Top mm-hmm. rich country. Um, it's the top in the G7 and it's somewhere in the top couple dozen, few dozen of the world. I guess um, what I'd say is that in Japan, there's still a lot of shame around Definitely. mental health and a lot of shame around suicide. Um, it's hard to talk about mental health in our in our 
in our Asian communities, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and Japan is no exception to that. It, that. There's this idea that you have to just be strong. Gaman, right? Gaman. Right? Yeah. And you have to save face. You can't yeah. show weakness. Mm-hmm. You can't show your inner feelings to the world. There's this uh, idea that you have to like show this, you know, neatly kept polite um, together. Mind, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the time. And you don't want the neighbors to see your dirty laundry. Yeah. And so people feel like they can't um, be open about it. And we're and people are dying because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember growing up with my Japanese mom and trying to talk to her about when I was feeling depressed or anything like that was very, very much met with, oh, no, you shouldn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you should just cheer up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of if people are trying to open up like that's such a brave thing to do and for it to be shut down it just puts them so much more in a corner and Mm -hmm. then they feel like they just can't get help and so they you know just take their own lives a lot of times Mm -hmm. you know uh in here a lot of well it seems like kids do it as well right Mm -hmm. Um, i've read things in, in the news and i'm just trying to understand it because you know like you know when i grew up of course, I was, you know, I went through things or whatever, but I never really thought about suicide, right? And I'm just trying to understand these Japanese kids. How is this like, I don't know, like how how are they strong enough to do this? Like how are they, you know, like I read one article and kids jumped off a building. Yeah. Mm. A couple weeks ago, we lost uh, two little girls who mm. wow. jumped off a building. Wow. Oh, yeah, so that was recent, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm. I wonder if it's like anything to do with the exposure of how much they see, you know, people jumping in front of trains and stuff yeah, here. Because I was just like, how how do you get there? Like, how do mm-hmm. you get there to that point as, as a child, you know, as a 13, 14, 15 year old child, uh, yeah. child? I think there there's a combination of factors going on. One is that that stuff does happen. People do jump in front of trains and there's a lot of publicity. Another is that. Um, we're not very good in this country about um, the media is not very good about being responsible. There are actually mm-hmm. responsible media guidelines for reporting on suicide. And one of them is you don't describe the method. You don't glorify it mm-hmm. in any yes. way. And you always um, link to resources. And very few, if any, um, Japanese media organizations did that with that really? story with the little girls. Um, I think another thing is that kids are under a lot of pressure. They have all this stress around exams and around perfectionism and around achievement. And then I think another thing is that there's a lot of bullying and there's mm-hmm. a lot of abuse going on. And it's it's running largely unchecked. And so um, people feel like they're getting bullied and they're getting hurt and they don't have anyone who's stepping in to help them. And they're children, you know, somebody yeah. should be stepping in to help them and somebody should be advocating for them. And uh, oftentimes nobody is. And so if you can't turn to the adults in your life to make something bad stop, then what do you do? And it seems like a lot of the issues, especially with like child abuse that's been going on in Japan, a lot of times, even if the kids do turn to like teachers and confidants, their parents still have the power over those authority figures. And so... Mm you know, something bad still happens to them, right? Yeah, which is why I visit high schools mm-hmm. and I visit universities and sometimes even middle schools. And we, we 
tell the kids about the line and we tell them that they can call us if they need to talk if they don't feel like they have anybody else to talk to Mm. they can call us there's also a Japanese child line where kids can call and they can just talk to somebody or they can get resources Um, but too many people don't know that those resources exist yeah and and my my next question hearing you say that is you know tell has been around for 40 something years and doesn't I'm not going to say, I mean, you guys are doing great work, but I'm just wondering, how do you, how do you get more publicity, you know, in this society? Um, Because it's a great organization and it serves a great purpose. So um, we come on the raw urban mobile (laughs) podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um. We, we try to talk to, you know, as many people as we can. I try to go out um, to, we do outreach in lots of different ways. And Nina came on a, we did a nature hike yeah, the nature other day, um, trying to just reach people in different ways. Um, we have a pub quiz every month at the Hobgoblin in Shibuya. There's also some pub quizzes down in Kansai going on. Uh, we do the nature hike sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to schools, we go to embassies, we go to churches, we go pretty much anywhere we can. What, um, what is the pub quiz? So we have a pub quiz, which is once a month, usually on the first Wednesday of the month at the Hobgoblin in Shibuya, where we just get together. Uh, People pay a fee to join, and it's just a night of fun and trivia, pub trivia, and then all the proceeds go to tell. Okay. And then we, you know, we we give tell a little plug at the beginning. Everyone's a volunteer. You know, the pub, the quiz master is a volunteer. The pub um, lets us use the place for free. So um, we've always got stuff going on around town, and we try to get the word out any way we can. We talk to media. Um, yeah. yeah. NHK seems like a great source, uh, place to go. Have you done anything with NHK? I don't think we've done anything with NHK recently, but we were recently in the Japan Times. We've mm-hmm. been on Savvy. Okay. We've been on Japan Today. We've been in most of the English language me- media. And I think we were just in the Yomiuri Shimbun uh, recently as well. Which is like the most One of the Japanese. largest mm-hmm. well-known papers mm-hmm. right here in Japan. So, all right. So, are, th- yeah. are there plans to reach out more to those Japanese communities and say, you know, like Japanese, like elementary, middle school and mm-hmm. such as well? So we... We'll do whatever we can uh, to help, but TEL primarily works with English Mm. language people because there are actually, um, there aren't enough resources, but there are a lot more resources for Japanese speakers than there are for English Mm. speakers. There is actually uh, at least one lifeline in every prefecture of Japan, and there's only one English lifeline, and that's us. And so there are resources available for the Japanese community at large. We don't turn those folks away when they come to us. If they want to get counseling in our counseling center, they can do that. Um, if folks call us on the line and they are Japanese but they speak English, then we we talk to them. Um, but TEL is primarily for the international community. I don't have all the right answers, but um, I just think somehow the culture has to change, right? Because, mm. you know, you guys do great work and, and you try to get out there in the public as much as you can. But I think somehow the the, the way Japanese think about mental health has to change, mm-hmm. right? Um, I guess visibility is probably the the yeah. main thing that's going to help that. 
Yeah, and accessibility. I'm wondering, with like counselors, does national health insurance work? Okay. So national health insurance does not cover talk therapy for the most part. It does cover psychiatry. So, um, But unfortunately, psychiatrists are overtaxed. And um, one psychiatrist is probably going to be able to give you five, maybe ten minutes. And then they're going to prescribe medication. And that's it. So they're... Therapy does not come together with that. Um, so a lot of people are, are on medication if they can, if they have the, uh, I guess, the courage to go to a psychiatrist, which is a lot of people don't want to go because they don't want people knowing that they've been to a psychiatrist. Um, but that, that does exist for people. So I, I hear this, this whole, uh, what is this thing with the samurai mentality or mm-hmm. samurai way. And, and, and I think some people have this perception that Japanese are, you know, they, they, when they commit suicide, it has some connection to the samurai and back in the day when the samurai would, yeah, exactly. Um, commit suicide. And is there any connection to that? Or is that just like some myth or? I think for the most part that is, doesn't have much to do with anything. Anything, right? Yeah. I, I, I think most for the, so the great majority of people who die by suicide have depression, yes, um, and untreated depression, and it doesn't have anything to do with being a samurai. It has to do with not enough mental health care and exactly. shame, mm-hmm. and stigma. Yeah, mm. yeah. Thanks for that clarification. So uh, another thing I could say is that um, Japan used to have even higher suicide rates. Uh, in the early 2000s, it was somewhere around 33,000 people a year, wow. so around 100 people a day. Um, and it has been steadily decreasing since then. And in the last five years, it's been going down a little bit each year. So uh, I think around 2000, let's see, around 2013 is the first time that it dipped below 30,000, and it's been going down. So the last year was 20,598, which is still 20,598 people too many, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um, it's fewer than before. So um, I think the government is finally starting to realize that this is a huge problem. Um, it's It's a social cost. You know, it's um, it's an economic cost. It's a, uh, it's a human cost. Yeah, and then you know, when you talk about like, uh, you know, it's it's well known that Japan they have a lot a large elderly population mm-hmm. and not enough uh, young people in the workforce. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's that that can affect mm-hmm. the workforce, you mm-hmm. know, dramatically. What are some things that the government has been doing in order to combat depression and mental mental health issues well one of the things is that stress check Mm -hmm. um we get a very small grant from the tokyo metropolitan government for things in tokyo this year anyway we don't know if we'll get it again Mm -hmm. but um it's uh a little bit and um i think there's a growing awareness that we need more counselors in schools. Mm. So um, with all the bullying and the child abuse and, you know, the youth suicide is actually at an all-time high um, or something, I think it's like the last 30 years high yeah, uh, last year. So there's definitely awareness that youth suicide is a huge problem. Um, so 
there are slowly more counselors in schools. I still don't think there are nearly enough mental health counselors. I know I have a friend who works in a school and one of she lost one of her students last year and she said there was almost no mental health uh, support for mm-hmm. the students who were left behind. Um, and that's an unfortunate reality, I think, in like the public school system in Japan. And I remember, uh, you know, you guys know Premium Fridays mm-hmm. that the government started a few years ago. And I remember it being, correct me if I'm wrong, but it being in response to the overwork culture here mm-hmm. and happened after the uh, woman at Dentsu committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, with power harassment and overwork. Um, what are your thoughts on premium, premium Friday? I have my own thoughts, but I'm curious as to how you think that helps or does not help. Well, first, what, what is premium okay. Friday? I'm not. So premium Friday is the last Friday of each month. I think for the larger corporations, for the larger companies, they are supposed to have their employees get off work by 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. and uh, encourage, the government said, to encourage people to spend more times with time with their families or to go outdoors and to do things that they enjoy. But also that has um, created a lot of restaurants and bars to do premium Friday drinks. And it seems like more pressure for employees to get off earlier even if they have more work Mm -hmm. but at the same time have to like go out with their bosses starting Mm -hmm. earlier in the day Mm -hmm. and such that's my take on it yeah (laughs) i think it's i think that they uh hmm. (laughs) i think any any gestures are good Mm -hmm. but um a lot more needs to be done Mm -hmm. and i think there have been a lot of little steps like that and but but the most important things aren't being addressed, right. like the fact that we don't have any childcare and that, right. um, and people don't have good work-life balance and they don't have time for their families. You know, one Friday a month is not the solution. We need mm. to be doing a lot more than that. We need to we need to have, uh, you know, um, more equality in the society, mm-hmm. more time for people to uh, to be with their families and to follow their dreams and to work on their hobbies so yeah. so you have a an event coming up right in april mm-hmm. that you're going to be participating in yeah so uh you can find us this april 28th and 29th we're going we, we'll have a booth at tokyo rainbow pride and we'll have uh, we'll, we'll actually be sharing our booth this year with stonewall japan oh, nice. which oh, is amazing. really cool yeah. um and last year we had a booth as well and we we had almost 100 people march with us in the in the Rainbow Pride Parade, we had um, a lot of youth come out, and one thing that I'm really passionate about is supporting youth. And so, anytime that I get the chance to work with uh, kids in high schools, or especially, um, there are a lot of students who are doing things like making mental health clubs and making LGBTQIA mm-hmm. clubs. And so, uh, yeah. we do all that we can to support and work with the youth who are um, doing those bits of advocacy for themselves really proud of them are a lot of these in international schools around here mostly international schools yes Uh, some universities reach out to us as well and then um, any school that has enough of a student population that could use our services we're happy to go there so you know if that's you please get in touch nice awesome Awesome. Uh, so before we get out of here you want to 
social media shout uh, plugs or anything? Like, how can people c- contact and follow yeah. Tell? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and our handles Tell Japan. Tell's lifeline number is zero three five seven seven four zero nine nine two. You can also find us at telljp.com. And our handle on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta is Tell Japan. All right. So thank you, Selena, for coming and joining me on the Moromo podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And thank thank you, Nina, for joining me as the co-host. Thank you. Holding it's it down awesome. for shock, Chocolate Buddha. We miss you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Roar Urban Mobile Podcast. For more episodes, please visit rump.podbean.com. Or you can head straight to Google and type in Roar Urban Mobile Podcast. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you can stream or download podcasts.